I will only do two of the Sundays. And and Psalm 34 is is a psalm that that God has recently in the past few months uh, brought me back to time and time again in, in different situations for different reasons. So I really wanted to preach on Psalm 34. So I was trying to figure out how to divide Psalm 34 up into to four to four sermons. But then I realized I don't know why I was thinking I couldn't do today. Something in my brain it, it misfired. I didn't check with my wife who keeps my schedule for me because I can't. Uh, but then I was really excited when I realized I could do this Sunday because Psalm 34 breaks up into six stanzas pretty pretty easily. So, so just to tell you where we're going, the next few Sundays, this Sunday and the next two, we're going to be staying in, in Psalm 34. And Psalm 34... I think I'm drawn to it for a few reasons. One of the one of the reasons is is artistically. I, I like to read poetry, and I like to tell myself I can write poetry. And Psalm 34 is an acrostic. You'll notice there's 22 verses in Psalm 34, one for each letter of the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet. So David begins with the first letter of the alphabet in, in one and works through, and each verse begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So just artistically, I enjoy that. I love that he's thinking through these things in that way. But even more so, just the truths in Psalm 34. One of the verses that that brings comfort every time I read it is verse 18, where it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And so as we work through this psalm, we're going to be be covering a lot of truths, a lot of things that David is working through, and, and hopefully it will be... It'll be edifying to us. But for this morning, we're going to focus on verses 1, 2, and 3. So if you found Psalm 34, please stand for the reading of God's Word. <coughs> Beginning verse 1, David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. You may be seated and pray with me, please. Father God, these are Your people. These are Your people who are called by Your Spirit, saved by Your Son, and gathered to hear Your Word. I pray that as I proclaim it, your spirit would go out and your spirit would work your will in your people through your word for your glory. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. When I, when I think of, of memories, and, and specifically memories that tend to be the most poignant for me, memories that, that I can just close my eyes and, and I can see everything the way it was and, and, and if you know anything about me you know my men, memory is, is not there but when I think about to those, those times primarily, not all of them there are, there are different ones but primarily the memories that are, are so real for me that I can just picture where everything is and, and where I was and who I was with are, are those times in my life that ultimately ended up resulting in Worship, for whatever reason and whatever way, there are times in my life that, that the Lord's used to bring me to the place where I worship Him. So just a, 
a few examples that I jotted down, and these are the ones that just stick out in, in my brain so perfectly. One was when I was a, a Bible college student, and it was, it was a particularly hard semester for me, both with, with classwork and then financially speaking. It was, it was late. I'd just gotten off the phone with my mom, and, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to afford to pay for the rest of, of my school. And, and I, I remember where I was. It was on campus. It was in one of the, the study lounges there. There were two or three other people there, and I had my computer open. And all of a sudden, I had a message from my cousin it it popped up and she was living with my grandmother at the time and my grandmother was one of the people when when I said I was going to Bible college she she didn't for various reasons she didn't understand why she didn't understand the need she just she didn't get it Um, and and it kind of hurt me because she was a woman I, I looked up to she was a woman I respected learned a lot about the faith from her but then this message came from my cousin when I'm at my lowest, and honestly, I was considering I'm just going to drop out of Bible college. I can't afford it. Obviously, I'm not supposed to do the ministry. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. And then the message pops up from my cousin, and she says my grandma had been walking through the house and just, just talking whatever popped up in her head, and she said, you know, sometimes, my grandma said, sometimes I worry about Steve going to that Bible college and spending all that money and all that time, but then I stop and I think, you never know. Maybe God's going to use him to change the world. And not that that's, there's anything special about me, but just in that moment when I was at my lowest, when I, when I was thinking about just giving up on all of it, God moved the heart of my grandmother and, and the heart of my cousin to share, to share exactly what I needed to hear, to, to say, no, you're where you need to be. I'm going to take care of you, and this is going to work. And I'm not ashamed to admit the tears start flowing down my face as I worshiped my God for encouraging me in that way. Fast forward a few semesters, and you find myself in, in my, my parents' house, and it's late at night, and, and I'm laying in the bed, and, and I'm on my face, and I'm crying out to God. Because earlier that day, I was pulled out of class, and I was told that my 18-year-old brother, on his way to school, was in a car crash and died. And so now I'm at my parents' house, and it's, it's been a horrible day, and sleep is not coming, and all night I cried out to God in my pain, in my anguish, in my confusion. And, and while I would never want to relive those events and, and that day, that is one of the most worshipful nights I ever had even with the pain even with the confusion and the heartache I worshipped through that pain and then just so we don't have to end this part on a sad note you fast forward a few more years to October 20th 2012 and I'm standing in front of the church next to the most beautiful bride I've ever seen and I got my friends and my family out there and we, we covenant with one another to, to love each other, to care for each other, to be faithful to each other, to encourage each other. And, and although at the time, in, in the middle of the ceremony, while, while everybody's watching us and being quiet and respectful, I, I didn't do a lot of hooping and hollering. But you can guarantee you, in my heart and my soul, I was worshiping my Father for giving me this gift of one of His most beautiful daughters, His most beautiful daughter, to care for for the rest of my life. Now, I share all those moments with you just, just to say, in, 
In all these moments with, with the variations of, of pain and, and joy and, and discouragement and, and encouragement and all those things pouring into that, all of them stick out in my mind because there are times where God used those moments and used those circumstances to bring me to a place to worship. And this is one of the things I love about the Psalms because you come to the Psalms and every single one of them, Psalm 34 included, it is, a, it is a poem or a song, each one of them, of worship. Now, they don't all sound exactly the same. There are some where they are celebrating victories and, and the deliverance of God, and there are some where they're saying, How long, O oh Lord, will I have to wait? There, there, are some who say, who, there are some psalms that are saying, God, rise up and defeat your enemies, and there are some that are saying, God, my soul is so downcast. Lift me up. The beautiful thing about the book of Psalms is God gave us essentially a worship book that is honest about who we are, honest about the pain that comes our way, but more importantly, honest about who God is and how He never changes. Psalm 34, like all the other psalms, is a psalm of worship. And in the first three verses, we have David's call to worship. And so as we look at these first three verses and, and ultimately the rest of the psalm as we go on, but this morning what I want us to see is that we, as the people of God who have been called out by the world, we are called to worship the Lord by blessing Him at all times, by boasting in Him and Him alone, and by bringing others together to worship Him with us. So first of all, in Psalm chapter 34, and look at verse 1, we see we are to worship our Lord by blessing Him at all times. And you see, I'm not very creative. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, if you don't know a whole lot about the full story of the life of David... And you come to this psalm and you hear David say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually to be in my mouth. If you just know, if you just know the, the, the bigger view of the story of David, you might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, David. You, you lived the essential Cinderella story. You were a shepherd boy that, that no one knew about, no one cared about, and then all of a sudden, God makes you the king of his people. So, of course, you sitting in Jerusalem in your palace, you have access to everything you want, you have a whole army at command. Of course, it's easy for you to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. But what you have to keep in mind, what you have to know when coming to this psalm, is this psalm isn't written from the palace in Jerusalem. This psalm isn't written from a place of leisure, from a place of riches. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 21. Samuel chapter 21 and we see the context of this psalm David is, is fleeing from Saul a man that, that he thought uh, was a father figure at one point in time a man that David respected a man that David served faithfully and, and now because Saul's heart has grown jealous he's chasing David out of, out of the land and then we come to verse 10 and, and this gives us the setting of, of the psalm we're looking at this morning it says and David rose and fled all that day from Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish, so this is, this is a pagan Gentile king, 
And uh, the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him and dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. What they're saying to the king is, is Look, this is, this is the guy that's killed our men. He's, he's killed thousands and thousands of, of our comrades. Verse 12, and, and David took these words to heart, and David was much afraid of, Ke- of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks in the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. And then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And then you see David fleeing, escaping this king and fleeing to a cave. So as we go back to Psalm 34, David's not riding from from a throne. David's not riding out of his riches. David is riding after fleeing from a madman who wants to take his life, then falling into the hands of this pagan king who, who... under normal circumstances, would have David king. And then David has to act insane. He has to act like the madman to escape this pagan king. And now David has hidden himself in this cave. And in my mind, this is just me, I don't know how soon after this he wrote this, but in my mind you see David wiping the spittle off of his mouth and out of his beard. And then he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When I'm fleeing from this man who has no reason to want to kill me yet is dead set on killing me, when I'm having to act like a crazy man to escape the hands of this enemy king, when I'm stuck in this cold damp cave away from my home, away from my comforts I've been promised that I'm going to be the anointed king of Israel, I've been promised I'm going to rule over the land, yet here I am in this cave with nothing but I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continue to be on my lips. You see this example also with the book, book of Job. Job is, is a fellow that I, I often go back to. It's a book I often go back to. But you remember Job was a wealthy man. Job had everything you could possibly want to have in that day and time. He had the, the best of the best. He had all the wealth. And he had, he had a huge, beautiful family, family that he loved dearly. And the Bible tells us that Job was a man who walked in integrity. He was, he was blameless. Not that he was perfect, but if you looked at his life, you would see a man who feared God and, stri- and would strive to do the will of God. Yet, in one day, Job loses everything. He loses his wealth. He, he loses all of his livestock. He, he eventually loses his health. But, but I think the, the kicker, the one that would really just bring bring you down to your knees, he loses every single one of his children. Think about that. One day, everything you've loved, gone. Every material thing, every earthly thing that you've ever valued, gone. But the text tells us in in Job 1 verse 20, the text tells us that Job fell down and he worshipped. He worshipped. More than that, he went on to say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job didn't allow his circumstance to keep him from worshiping the one true God. 
Job did not see his God through the circumstance of his pain, but rather he used worship as the lens to view that pain, to view that circumstance. And he says, the Lord gave, the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is unchangeable. He is still holy. He is still good. None of this that has happened to me changes who God is. Now, was Job confused? Of course Job was confused. He just lost everything he had. Was Job in pain? You bet Job was in pain. He is crying out. Did Job want answers from God? Yes, of course. And the rest of the book of Job, every time Job speaks, he's saying, I want to talk to God. I want to hear from God. I want to know what's happening. But in the moment when everything is ripped away from him, he still knows who God is. He still clings to the character of God, and he worships God. He blesses God at all times. So this morning, I, I don't know each and every one of you individually. A few of you I know a little better than, than others. I, I don't know all of your pains, all of your burdens. I know you have them because you're human. But I would, I would ask you to hear eventually going to be King David, but now hiding in the cave out of fear, King David. See him wipe the spittle off his beard and hear him say, Come, bless the Lord at all times. See, see Brother Job, who's lost everything he had. See him bow down and worship and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And ask yourself, in your situation, in your pain, in your burden, in your sorrow, whatever you've, you've lost or whatever you thought you would get that you didn't get or whatever health situation is coming upon you or, or anything that's happening to you, whatever you're in, ask yourself, what right do you have to allow your pain to rob God of His glory? Instead, through your pain, in your pain, in the midst of crying out, instead of running from the only one who can give you any kind of refuge and from the only one who can carry you through it, run to him and, and declare, as we read in, in Psalm 75, another beautiful psalm, declare, what have I in heaven but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart. You are my portion Forever, Let good and kindred go, go this mortal life. Also, God's truth abideth still. Let us worship our Lord by blessing Him at all times and, and by allowing His praise to continually be on my lips. But then in verse 2, we see not only are we to bless the Lord at all times, but we are to boast in the Lord and the Lord alone. David writes in verse 2 of Psalm 34, My soul makes its boast in the Lord of the humble hear and be glad. My soul makes its boast in the Lord of the humble hear and be glad. Do you know what we do when, when we worship? Anytime you worship, and, and the songs were, were beautiful and, and reflected this perfectly, I thought. Anytime you worship, what you are doing is you are declaring what you deem is worthy. And more that, when you're worshiping in the circumstances, 
If, if the pain comes upon you and you can't worship because of that pain, not, not saying your worship is going to be the same as it is when you don't have that pain, but if you can't worship while you're in that pain, what you're doing is you're saying, God, this pain that I'm going through, it means you are not worthy of my worship. You do not deserve my praise because you have allowed me to go through this and, and, and I declare you are not worthy. But when we worship, when we proclaim God's character, when we proclaim His name, His goodness, His steadfast love, what we are saying to ourselves, to fellow believers, and to the world is we are saying, our God is worthy. He is unchangeable, He is always good, and nothing, nothing will ever take away from the glory of God. And you see, not only does David here tell us to boast in the Lord, but you see in David's life examples of him boasting the Lord. And the one that, that comes to my mind and, and the one thing David is probably the most famous for is you remember when David was fighting Goliath now Goliath had been, been coming out every day facing the whole army of Israel and making his claims and making his boasts and saying look just bring me your best man if he wins then we'll be your slaves if I win you'll be our slaves and he was devi- defying the, the, the armies of the God of Israel he's defying the Lord himself and then here comes, here comes David out to face Goliath. And he says, and I call this SKV, the Stephen Kuhn version. But he says, look, you come to me with your weapons, but I come to you in the name of the very God who you are defying. And this, this teenage David looks at this mighty warrior, and he says, look, I'm going to chop off your head, and I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds and the beasts. And I'm going to do it so that all the earth knows that there is a God in Israel. David wasn't boasting about his strength. David wasn't boasting about his ability. David was boasting about his God. And he says to Goliath, you have defied my God and he will deliver you into my hands and you will become food for the beasts. But the earth is going to know that there is a God in Israel. You see this also with, with Joseph. I've, I'm, I'm one of, I don't know how many he has, but I'm one of Todd's fans on the podcast. And I've been listening, I don't know if it's current or not, but I've been listening to his series through the life of Joseph. And I love, I love when Joseph's been down in the jun- dungeon and, and Pharaoh's had that dream. And, and the guy says, oh yeah, you know, now that I think about it, when I was in, when I was in prison, there was a guy there, I had a dream, he told me the dream, and everything ended up happening the way he said it was. So Pharaoh says, all right. So they pulled Joseph out of the prison. They, they dust him off and they set him before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, here's my dream. I've been told you can interpret, it, interpret, my, interpret dreams just by hearing them. Interpret my dream. And, and Joseph looked at Pharaoh and he gets this cocky look in his eyes and he says, I'm going to tell you something, Pharaoh. I've been having these dreams since I was a kid. Not only have I been having these dreams, but when I was stuck in your prison and those two jokers told me their dreams, I told them what was going to happen, and it happened exactly what I said it was. Yeah, I can interpret your dream. Just, just give it to me. Here he goes, no! That's not what Joseph said. Joseph said, uh, it's not me. You, you've misunderstood, Pharaoh. It has nothing to do with me. Tell me your dream, and God will give Pharaoh the faithful report or the favorable report. Joseph had the opportunity to boast in himself. Joseph had the opportunity to brag about what he could do, but instead he boasted in the Lord. You see this point out in the prophets as well. If you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. 
Jeremiah chapter 9, and this is a, a passage that, that comes in the midst of judgment. But we, we learn here what the Lord, the God of Israel, delights in. In Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23, the Lord declares to his people through his prophet. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. And all those things, you, you, can, you can think in your mind of, of people that you know boast in these things. My, my mind automatically goes to, we've, we've been watching the Shark Tank, and all that goes to that guy who calls himself Mr. Wonderful and how much he loves his money. He talks, about, he talks about, my money is my family. They're my children. I don't want to give my children away. He's boasting in his riches. These are all things the world boasts in. Goliath came out boasting in his, in his strength. But, but the Lord says to his people, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the, the strong man boast in his strength. Don't let the rich man boast in his riches. But he says, but let him who boasts, boast boast in this that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight declares the Lord the one true God of Israel says to his people through his prophet you want to boast boast that you know me boast that you know my character you know my grace. You know my love. You know who I am. And you know that in light of who I am, you are nothing and you are no one. But because you are mine, you can boast in me. Paul picks up on this if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, you know that they, they were a mess. And Paul is, is writing to them because in this particular s- section, he's writing to them because they have become, they have become puffed up. They have become arrogant. They, they, have given, they have allowed the gift of God, the gifts of God that he has given them, they have used that as a reason to become puffed up and to boast in themselves and, and to brag about how, how wise they are, how, how gifted they are. They've, and, and they've even started to split up the church based on who they thought was, was the best pastor. So you had some saying, I am of Paul, and some saying, I am of Apollos. And, and Paul saying, no, Christ is not divided. You are of Christ and Christ alone. But then here... In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, Paul is, is addressing their arrogance. And he says in verse 26, and I love how honest the Bible is about us. That's one of the most beautiful things about it. He says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth. But God... If you haven't learned this yet, but God is two of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing 
things that are so that no human being or that no flesh might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, became just righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, and then he quotes Jeremiah, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul here is saying, you want to be arrogant, you want to puffed up, be puffed up, think about this. Think about the fact that God didn't choose you because you're smart. God chose you because you're a dummy. You're an idiot. You would never choose God outside of His grace. You think God chose you because you're strong and you're powerful and you have these abilities? God chose you because you were weak. You could do absolutely nothing. And then He says, but God chose you so that He could use that which was the dummy. He could use that which was foolish to shame the wise. What the world sees as wise. What the world would look at and say, yeah, that's what we need. God chose the foolish and said, no, this is what I'm going to use so that no man may boast. God chose that which was low and despised. That's you. He's talking about you. That which was low and despised to bring down those things, even the things that are not, to bring down those things that are. And here's why he did it that way. So that there is not one single person who in the presence of the Almighty God will be able to boast in anything other than the Almighty God. And the only reason that you can boast in the Almighty God is found in verse 30. And because of Him, that is because of God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom. You were foolish, but Christ Jesus has become your wisdom. You were, you were unrighteous, unholy, and deserved hell, but Jesus became your righteousness. He became your sanctification and your redemption. You want something to boast about. Boast that you were a rebel wretch running as far away from God as you possibly could. But God the Father out of love and out of grace chose you and placed you in his beloved son you want to boast boast about the fact that you had an infinite debt of sin that you could never pay you had the wrath of God abiding upon you and out of love and out of grace God the son took upon himself your sin carried it to the cross and bore the wrath of God for your sin and rose again conquering death took upon your unrighteousness and gave to you his righteousness so that now when you stand before God you don't stand as a, as a guilty hell bound sinner who will get nothing but his wrath but you stand as a blood bought pure blameless child who will receive nothing but his love you want to boast Boast about that. Boast about the fact that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You were alienated from the people of God. You had no hope. But out of love and out of grace, God the Spirit made you alive in Christ and has sealed you until the day of His appearing so that He will keep you and you will stay abiding in the love of God until the end. Let us boast let us boast loudly. Let us boast often. 
But may we never boast in ourselves. May we always boast in the Lord and the Lord alone because He is the only one we have worth boasting about. And then David says, back in Psalm 34, I guess I should get there before I try to read it. David says, not only are we to boast in the Lord, but as we boast in the Lord, let the humble hear and be glad. And you know why the humble hear the boasting in the Lord and they're glad? Because the humble know that they have absolutely nothing other than God. The humble hear others boasting in the Lord and they're saying, Amen, I know it's true. I have nothing. I am nothing, but I am in Christ and I will boast in Him until the day I die and then for eternity, future, without ending. I will continue to boast in my Lord and in my God. So as we, as we worship God, we bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in our mouth. We boast in the Lord and the Lord alone. And the humble hear this and they're glad. But then we bring others together to the boast in the Lord with us. David ends this, this call to worship, this first stanza, and he says in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. David doesn't want to boast in the Lord by himself. He wants to hear others around him boasting the Lord with him. He wants to call everyone he hears to the praise and glory and honor of his God. And he uses two phrases, and this is, this is pretty parallel. In other words, when, when David says, Oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name, the, the magnifying and the exalting are, are similar. They're, they're the same thing. And we think of the word magnifying, at least me when I hear magnify, I think of magnifying glass uh, like you had back in science class. Didn't do very good in science class, but I remember the magnifying glass. You had something so small you couldn't see it with the naked eye, and then you put it under that, uh, that amazing magical machine, and then you could see it so clearly. But that's not the idea here. It's not we're taking something small and then making the image bigger that we can see it. But the word magnify, at least in our English language, is used for another purpose. It's also used when, for astronomers when they're studying a, a, a huge planet out in the distance. Out in the distance, they, they use the telescope and they, magnif they use magnification in the sense of taking that, that big object that they, they can't see on their own because it's so huge and it's so far away, and then it focuses it so that now they can see it and they can study it and they can learn about it. The word magnify here, kind of, it's, it's kind of a simplistic illustration, but that is exactly what, he mean, what David means when he says, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, he's saying, let's take this, this, this infinite, this, this, this being that we cannot fully comprehend with our own mind who has revealed himself to him. He is so infinite. He is so huge. He is, he is so everlasting. And everything that God is. And even though we can't fully comprehend him, let's take him and let's focus on him. Let's view him through his word and through what he has revealed to us and let's focus on him. And as we focus on him, let's declare what we know about him to those around us. Come and magnify this God with me. Declare who he is. And that goes into the other phrase, let us exalt his name together. And if you notice 
not only through these, these first three verses, but through the whole psalm. When you see the word Lord, it's all capital. It's, it's not like the other, other words. It's, it's all every letter is capitalized. And that is the, the translators telling us that this word Lord, it's not just Lord as in Sir. It's not just a title of respect, but this is the very name of God. This is Yahweh or, or Jehovah. This is way back in when Moses saw the burning bush and, and God told Moses to go and tell the people of Israel that he's going to deliver him. And Moses said, but who will I say sent me? And God says, you tell them Yahweh sent you. You tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. This is God's name that reveals his character, reveals who he is, reveals his, his steadfast love and his grace towards, to his people. This is the intimate name of God. And David says, let's exalt that name. Let's exalt that God. That God he revealed to himself to us as the never-changing God of his people. Let's exalt that name together. Let's lift it up and declare to the world that this is our God. And this is where the, the this is one of the places where this is a call for the church to be a missional minded church. This is where we, we gather together and we magnify his name and we exalt his name together but then that love we have for our God should not stop here. It should not end with us declaring these truths to ourselves. This magnifying of God's name and exalting God's name as we go out and as we live our lives in the workplaces, as we live our lives in the schools, as we live our lives around, around those who we know have not yet bowed the knee to Jesus, we magnify this God, we exalt his name, and we, we tell them, come, magnify this God with us, join us, bring them together to exalt this great God, this Lord who has revealed himself to us. And this is why John Piper has the quote so famously, missions exist because worship doesn't. Uh, that quote just stuck with me. Missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, the point of missions, and you can think of this either overseas missions where you're, you're going to other lands, or you can think of this as, as missions where you go and you say to your neighbor, neighbor, hey, let me talk to you about my Jesus. Or even just in conversation, something comes up that you can, you can put in the glory of God in there and you exalt his name and you magnify his name. What you are doing is you are declaring you are not worshiping the one true God. The one true God is the only one worth worshiping. So I'm going to present this truth to you and I'm going to call you to come and magnify him with me and exalt him together. Because that is the whole goal of, of Scripture. That is God's whole purpose is that his glory would fill the earth as waters fill the ocean. So we are to bless worship God, worship the Lord by blessing Him at all times. By allowing His praise to continually be on our lips. We are to worship the Lord by boasting in Him and boasting in Him and Him alone. And as we do that, as we bless Him at all times, and as we boast in Him and Him alone, it's going to inevitably lead into us bringing others to worship. Now, 
I used bring because I know how much Todd loves alliteration and it just worked out. But we're not the ones who actually bring. We know that. It's God who brings them. But we are to call them in and we are to tell them, repent and turn to Christ and give worship to the only one who is worthy of worship. So this is David's call to worship. This is David after fleeing from Saul, after acting like a madman, now sitting in his cave and he's writing and he's calling down through the centuries and he's calling to you and he's saying will you bless the Lord at all times with me regardless of what you're going through or even because of what you're going through because you know that the only way the only way you will find safety the only way you will find refuge the only way you will find deliverance out of whatever it is you're going through is by clinging to the one true God. And David says, please, bless the Lord at all times. Take it from me. Take it from me. When you're in the cave, when you have that fear, when you have that pain, the best thing you can do is worship. Be honest with God in your worship. That's what I love about the Psalms. In your worship, be honest with God, but worship Him. And as you worship Him, David says, boast in Him to your fellow believers, to yourself, to your fellow believers, and to those who are outside of the faith, boast in your God and what your God has done, can do, and will continue to do till the end of ages. And as you do that, David says, as you bless the Lord, as you boast the Lord, bring others together to worship this great God with you. Because God is the only one who deserves all the praise, all the glory, all the worship that all of creation could ever give to him let's pray Father God I 